of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 391. Jason Lingren is with me and Dr. William Trebbing. You may remember he was in a past episode. And one of the things we'll end up talking about here is his very important book called Goodbye Germ Theory. You can pick that up. And when we get the good doctor in, I'm going to ask him if the last show had any effect on sales. I'm hoping sincerely that it did. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a pleasant good morning. All right. Dr. Trebbing, welcome and welcome back. And I'll, I'll ask right out of the gate, did the last show have any effect on book sales? I have to. The first words out of my mouth are definitely yes. And uh, a blessed good morning to all of you as well. And let's uh, bring Rose into that equation as well for organizing all of this. Uh, what a, thank you, Rose. <laughs> and uh, so you guys are great. Um, and to answer that question as well, I will say that the book on Amazon went from wherever it was. I mean, how many books do you think there are on Amazon? A quadrillion? Uh, but it went down to all books on Amazon to like number, I, I kept counting and it, and it, and it landed at number 695. Oh, wow. Oh, all, wow. On all books on Amazon, 695. Now I, I'm also under a category that I, I monitor every now and then, maybe once, twice a week. And it, you know, I was monitoring it heavily after the show and it went uh, to number 49 on medical books, all medical books. And I think that there are probably about uh, 300,000 of those in that category. So, so I applaud you. And boy, I'm really uh, uh, in admiration and also in awe of your amazing following and how many people uh, are tuned in to the message that you bring in your marvelous shows, which I have been following since uh, I met you guys as well since we did our show, you've got really great content here. And um, since then, Andrew Kaufman uh, picked me up for an interview, a number of people in Australia, a couple of people in Canada, things like that. So uh, I guess the thing I'm trying to say is that I'm just really uh, happy about uh, how many people that are awake and listening at, uh, very actively to, to all of your shows. You know, you've got quite a, quite a platform here and that's, uh, that's amazing. It's just really uh, Open, opens my heart to see that that people uh, here on, in this platform are just really listening and able to get the information of your of your many great messages. I mean, I'll take a look at your titles. I mean, just every single one of them. I try to keep up with them with my busy schedule. <laughs> you're telling me I try to keep up with them too. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, but you're doing you do you guys doing great work. Honestly, it's just uh, it's astounding to me how uh, and I'm very again appreciative and grateful for uh, what you have done for the sales of the book for sure. I mean, I think you've, you've, you've definitely moved the message of my book very fast. And within that understanding, I mean, people it's, it's a, my book, goodbye germ theory is a great way to, uh, if you already have been skeptical of germ theory and the different fallacies that go along with it, um, you read it and you get confirmation. And that's what a lot of the reviews show on Amazon. Are, are they letting those post or are they censoring or? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, no, no, they do. Uh, every now and then there's a shill on there and you can tell it's a shill. Like the, the, the newest one just yesterday was a shill. And even if they're a verified purchase, they buy the book and they go right to, oh, he talks about 9-11, conspiracy theory. You know, he talks about David Icke, conspiracy theory. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the, the thing is, is that listeners to your program and, and people who get it, especially today, who are just completely exhausted by the COVID narrative, who have turned even the most ardent, brainwashed, blue pillars into, into taking the red pill. 
because they see the just the complete nonsense of it all. I mean, they can really get the message now by reading my book or, you know, some people buy 12 copies of it and pass it around to their family. It's an introduction level, really, is what it is to, to just be able to just say, wow, I mean, germs don't exist? You mean germs don't cause disease or something else causing disease? Huh. And that's a door. That's a doorway that opens you up to Pandora's box, as we all know. One of the last things, if you guys want to start here, uh, that we did not cover in the previous show that I really wanted to get to, were conscious postulates and uh, a little bit more on Bouchamp and a little bit more and, and something on Gaston Maisons. So you want to start there? Yeah, I always thought it was Cokes. It's Koch's. It's not Koch's pasta. Oh, tomato, tomato. You know, okay. I mean, where, so where, people, where are you from? You're from Philly. You know, it, right. it's, it's catches. So we, we <laughs> need know. to be able to draw a line because everyone listening, there's a lot of can-do people out there will want to go look. So it's K-O-C-H, Coke or Koch. Um, you know, at, as you get in here, how did we all get so brainwashed? And I'll give an example. There was an old Harrison Ford movie. Who is Harrison Ford? He's an A actor, right? Most of the world sees the work he does. I think it was called Mosquito Coast. And if I remember correctly in it, the stupid natives they found wouldn't use soap because they wouldn't believe there were these little invisible germs all over their body. That's how we <laughs> arrived where we are. But let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, you want to pick up with what I'll call Coke's postulates? Yeah. And we all know soap has toxic products. <laughs> but, right. you know. It depends upon whether we're talking about soap or detergents. <laughs> <laughs> One of the introductory messages of this podcast is don't use soap. <laughs> those uh, those saponified oils, um, you know, we can get into that at some other point in time. But uh, folks, I definitely use soap. Uh, <laughs> getting into conscious postulates, though, uh, or do you want to call them coke? That's fine as well. Oh, whatever. I think that's what we've called it in the past. Tomato, tomato, yeah. you're right. I mean, so there's four of them. And essentially, if people don't know what they are, they're on page 157 of my book, um, the chapter Goodbye Germ Theory, uh, of the book Goodbye Germ Theory. And, you know, essentially, we're all taught this in medical school as a biology major, even in high school when we're learning the scientific method. You learn about, you know, these postulates. And they were put forward by the medical cartel in order to anchor in how the germ theory is completely valid. And let's just go over what they are, all right? And they all start with, in order for a germ, quote-unquote, to cause disease, okay? So for that to happen, there's four main ones now. The germ has to be found in every case of the disease. That's number one. Number two, the germ can never be found apart from the disease. Number three, it must be capable of disease culture outside the body. Number four, it must be capable of producing, by injection, the same disease as that undergone by the body from which it was taken. And that's the basis of vaccines. Okay. So any high school student can uh, not only dispute, but also uh, through the basic scientific method, deny every single one of these postulates with just the basic proof you can find on Google at this point. Number one, the germ has to be found in every case of the disease. Uh, hey, you mean like AIDS? <laughs> HIV has been around just, you see, and I say this quite a bit, folks, in my lectures, that COVID is nothing more but refangled AIDS. Right? It's, it's AIDS too. 
And uh, the AIDS scam back in the 80s was completely unsuccessful. Um, they botched up the COVID narrative as well. Uh, only this one was a bit more serious with everything that they did in shutting down the entire, you know, uh, the entire all of existence for all for every country on the planet, you know. But um, uh, so HIV was the uh, with the culprit back then, and and uh, you know SARS CoV two was the culprit here in this in this uh, pandemic and, and scam. But uh, when AIDS was uh, was pushed at a press conference uh, by Robert Gallo in 1982 or 83, you know, back at that point, there were the same thing. It's, it's just COVID number two. There's really no proof, no evidence, just a whole bunch of propaganda being spewed out. One of the main differences between AIDS and COVID is that we just have so much more communication capability at this point with internet. And so, of course, the propaganda and the fear, as well as the truth uh, dissemination was was able to just travel a lot faster. I mean, back in the time of AIDS, I was there investigating it all, and we had to, you know, go through lectures, pamphlets, books, telephone calls, you know, that type of thing. Um, and so it was doomed for failure. The same players were around, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who nobody knew at that point in time, who I interviewed uh, back in the early 90s when I was gathering research for my book. And I thought he was a clown then. Uh, he's even more of a clown now. What keyed you off to that when you say you uh, thought he was a clown? What keyed me off to is I had two conversations with him, and he knew nothing about biology. I mean, I would say that the, the, the most basic biological tenets, you know, like you have an immune system. <laughs> you know, he would be, you know, I'd say that, you know, antibodies aren't the only part of the immune system. I, I, I specifically said to him, I said, you know, what about the white blood count? I said, what about, what about the, uh, you know, when, when monocytes increase and, and, and uh, neutrophils uh, increase and the decrease of the you know, specific white blood counts that every doctor will look for in their patients to see what kind of infection they might have. You know, these, these CBC blood counts I've done a million times in my practice in 37 years, you know, to, to check to see what's going on with people. He had no idea. He didn't even know what a CBC was. You know, <laughs> he's, he's never treated a patient. He has now. <laughs> oh, has he? <laughs> yeah, with his big mouth over the news, he's affected many patients. Oh, yeah. I mean, as far as going to his office to treat somebody? No, that's, Do we that's know that my he's point. Ever, that he's ever been face-to-face listening to a patient, like, in the trenches, uh, in the field, like like I've been for 37 years, like, actually, you know, listening to people uh, talk about their problems and finding solutions for them, which is really what a doctor is all about, you know? I mean, in the trenches with people, whether they can afford it or not, uh, you know, coming into your office with actual problems, either on their deathbeds or whatever it might be at 11 o'clock at night or two in the morning. Has he ever done anything like that? No, he has. We should add here, Jason, do you know what his name actually means? We have a, a very connected person that we've done a show or two with. You know what Fauci means, according to him? Do you remember, Jason? Uh, the, the translation. Jaws of the wolf. Yeah, Jaws of the Wolf. No, oh, all right. Anyhow, I would call him Jaws of the Lame Wolf because honestly, you know, I, I knew I knew he was a complete moron from the from the beginning, and nobody knew who he was. And I write about it in the book. One of the things that critics of the book complain about is that I spell his name wrong, and I've had countless opportunities to go back and spell it right, but I just won't do it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, uh, listen, when this whole thing started, I went on social media, especially on Facebook, like crazy. 
And uh, when Fauci was first, he first came out and he was started to talk en masse about this thing. We're talking about, let's say, maybe uh, January, February, March of 2000, when the whole AIDS, excuse me, here, here we go again, right? When the whole COVID scam, AIDS 2, got, got rolling. And I saw him coming out on CNN. I'm like, oh boy, they took this guy out of mothballs. Here we go. Here we go. For this was he kept, right? And so I start going on. I started going off on him immediately. And I was the only one, I think, anywhere doing it. And my friends, my colleagues, you know, even in chiropractor, hey, what are you doing? This guy's just trying to help. I mean, he's like, I mean, maybe he doesn't have all the answers, but like, why are you going after this guy? Like, you know, he's just. He's just this guy from the NIH who they're just trying to, he's just trying to help people get through this crisis. And I'm like, you guys, dude, you don't know what, you don't know what this guy represents. He's been around since before AIDS as a pharma, pharmaceutical stooge. This guy, you know, and they were like, oh, come on, what are you talking about? And then, you know, three, four, five months later, they're like, oh my God, you were right. So it's just like everything else with my book, you know, saying that, hey, I called this all out that we're going to have a vaccination police state 22 years ago. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a single, hardly any medical doctors, you know, calling it out. You know, of course, now everybody and their dog is calling it out and trying to get a podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now even Joe Rogan, you know, and it's like, yeah, okay. You guys can steal my thunder. It's all right. It's Did, not a big didn't deal. Didn't he say the N-word? I thought he said the N-word and now he's got to go away or some nonsense. Did he say that? Something like that. He apologized for it, but he's not going anywhere. I mean, well, I don't know why he would do that. I, I, I've never really followed Joe Rogan. My son has, and, and my son's a millennial. And he's been really big on millennial, with millennials, especially when he was, I mean, the, the guy was essentially doing, you know, liberal kind of message podcasts. And you know, some of them were good. Some of them are like, eh, you know, and I, he's very popular. And, you know, he did a turnabout. What's that? He did a he did turnabout. turnabout. Well, he yeah. was saved by Ivermectin. Yeah. Well, not just that. His whole point of view about moon landings and all the things people like to talk about yeah. uh, when I guess he became the biggest podcast in the world, uh, mm-hmm. everyone I know that pays attention to him said he did a turnabout and all of a sudden, well, yeah, we probably did do these things. And yeah, that's real. That kind of turnabout. I want to give a shout out to Joe Rogan right now. And I just wanted to tell him, just listen, stop acting like such a pussy. Stop <laughs> apologizing. What are you apologizing for? You've got the biggest podcast in the world, you know, and who gives a shit if you're on Spotify or not, you know, make your own friggin' channel, you know, people will still go to you and listen to you. Stop apologizing to these Marxist morons who are just going after you for you know, whatever reason. He's, he's, he, the guy has it all and he's putting way too much energy on apologizing where he shouldn't even apologize. Anyway, that's my message to Joe. But that's what Hollywood in general is doing. A lot of people are apologizing to these blue haired land whales that are I just mean, <laughs> insane on Twitter. It's like, who cares what they think? Who cares? Neil Young you know, we, and Joni Mitchell, right? Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, the old I mean, Woodstock. What they got Joni Mitchell out of the old age home? I mean, it just is... Hey, Paradise, put up a parking lot and heck with Joe Rogan. You know, I mean, like, who, Joni, I loved your music back in 68, you know? Let's, uh, all right, let's, let's stay with that. And yeah, it's, it's hysterical, you know, Sharon Stone and, you know, it's, it's like, you know, Sharon Stone is, is popular for spreading her legs in that movie. I mean, that's about it, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, so what do we care what these people think? We, we don't hear, you know, so it's, I want to say to Joe, I mean, just knock it off. And, and, and if you've had a spiritual awakening, if you're, if you're on the side of the light now and you're, and you're joining our cause to spread the truth, then just do it, you know, save yourself and just do it. Because, you know, as soon as you start trying to suck up to these, to these idiots, you know, it's, it's, it, you, you've already lost. So. Um, so I guess where I was at with just to, to finish that point, the uh, COVID is nothing more than AIDS rebooted, and uh, the the entire basis of uh, these postulates, Koch or Koch, uh, is that number one is when you say the germ has to be found in every case of the disease. AIDS is a perfect example of more than fifty percent of the cases of AIDS that were out, especially at the time, and and what got honest virologists, P other PhDs, medical doctors, you know, jumping on AIDS saying that it has nothing to do with HIV. You know, of course, the most important person involved in telling the truth about that was, you know, Peter Duisberg, right? Everybody knows Peter Duisberg, how important he was in, in crashing the AIDS movement. So, you know, basically understanding that, that number one postulate is, is incorrect. You cannot find uh, HIV causing what's called AIDS or what used to be called leukocytopenia, which basically just means decreased white blood cells. And the reason the decreased white, the, the, the white blood cells are decreased is because of toxicity. Okay. I've seen over 300 AIDS patients in my, in my career. You see a lot of them back in the nineties, right? I pulled 99.9% .9 of them out of it by number one, telling them don't go on antiretroviral drugs. Uh, because that's going to be the first thing that's going to kill you. Um, number two, let's start cleaning your diet up. Okay, let's start cleaning your life up. How you think? Uh, you know what you're what you're basically doing on your off hours. I mean, what what are you doing? At Stop partying like a madman. Partying like yeah yeah. Generally, the the entire if you have leukocytopenia, uh, which is again, if you look in uh, the Merck manual, has been around you know since the late eighteen hundreds. You're, wipe, you're going to destroy your bone marrow by excessive partying and drugging, all right? Even the more, quote-unquote, and I don't want to get judged for this, but aberrant sexuality is also going to enervate you. I'm not judging uh, anybody's, anybody's sexuality, but uh, the, you know, too much of anything is not good. And ask any, ask any Roman centurion that attends an orgy every, every night. I mean, you know, that is enervating to the body, however you want to do it. I mean, like anything else, uh, your sexual energy and your sexual energy fields has to be uh, just like you can't eat chocolate all day long. You know what I mean? Or drink wine all day long. You have to, all these things need to be in balance and how you balance out your different sexual energies and your, your, your emotional energies and your and your appetites and your digestive energies, all of this makes, you know, depending on how you live your life in these ways, you're either going to be sick or you're not going to be sick. And it's all about the energy fields. So in working with AIDS patients, it was pretty easy if they listened to, to say, okay, we need to clean your life up. How do we clean it up? Okay. Number one, let's clean up this diet. Okay. Okay. We've got to start. Let's clean up all the recreational drugs. You got, you know, well, even pot. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but you're gonna you're smoking too much of that, all right. And let's let's first you know get you purified. And when you get and well, when a lot of these men, I I, I basically only saw men were uh, on their deathbeds and started to lose weight, you know, at that time, 
they were astounded and amazed about how, you know, gee, boy, I can just clean my life up and, and I start, you know, start juicing and start getting pure water and drink, drinking a gallon or two of water a day uh, was a huge part of it, purified water, you know, and then getting the right supplements through uh, standard process and everything like that, which is how I work. But, um, you know, it, it, this is not rocket science. All you have to do is just stop doing the things that are toxifying out the body, which is the basis of my entire book. All right. Germ theory is nonsense. Toxicity is everything. There's an old book you can get by J.R. Tilden called Toxemia. All right. It is the basis of natural hygiene and Herbert Shelton's work, who was the great naturopath who came up with a natural hygiene. It's all about keeping the body fluids pure, the body energy fields pure, and you will not get sick. So uh, there were many cases of AIDS that they just could not find any correlation with HIV whatsoever. And so that knocks out the germ theory right then and there. And what Peter Duisberg said back in the AIDS time as well, if you have one case of AIDS that does not, uh, that is not being influenced by HIV anywhere, uh, the exception is the rule and you have to study that. Well, that means, well, what do you study? You study the other aspects, which might be damaging the bone marrow and damaging the white blood cell count. What are the other things it could be? Oh, how about toxicity within the body? Old-fashioned, old-time doctrine, right? How about that? It all, gets, it all comes down to that. Every single time with every single disease, from a hangnail to the common cold to cancer. That's what we're getting to. Now, number two is it can never be found apart from the disease. Well, it's kind of like number one, isn't it? Like, you know, the germ has to be found in every case of disease. Eh, false. That's not only the case with AIDS, but in many different diseases, including strep throat. I mean, you could, you could swab your throat right now and you would find the streptococcal bacteria or the, or the different bacteria that they say will cause strep throat in kids. Oh, they have strep throat, but I don't have any symptoms. Well, doesn't that violate conscious postulates right there? All right, can never be found apart from disease. Every time you have that in your body, you should have strep throat. Well, it's just not the case, is it? And, and, and we all have HIV in us, every single one of us, but we're not walking around with AIDS now, are we? Which is another thing is about how these damn tests become, become a level of, of moronic judgment that can ruin your life, right? And today we have the COVID test. Back then it was the AIDS test. If you had a positive AIDS test, whatever the hell that meant, I mean, what a stigma that was, right? Right. You could, be a, you could be a vegan juicing and have a positive AIDS test. Oh, what does that mean? Oh, take, take uh, antiretroviral drugs. Yeah, do that. Like Arthur Ashe, you'll be dead. So many more people during the AIDS, and I know a lot about this, and it's, it's in my book quite a bit. So many more people died of the antiretroviral drugs than died of AIDS, right? Yeah, but yeah, to be, to be clear, um, you, you're saying that AIDS doesn't exist as described, and I was going to jump totally in. Totally made up. Don't coax postulates like I'm, I'm not a medical doctor and I do not play one on TV, but when I read them to me, it says this screams every point, all four of them scream that covidius minimus or AIDS or any of these things are a put up, right? It's a mind game. Well, and you have to refangle something now, don't you? So like I've said, look up leukocytopenia. What does that mean? A leukocyte's a white blood cell, a white blood cell, right? Pena. Okay in medicine means decrease. Okay. So leukocytopenia basically means decreased white blood cells. Why is that happening? Toxemia. It's been around for hundreds of years. Doctors have known about it. 
and they've studied it and they've got they brought their patients out of it by living a healthy lifestyle right so they refangled that into what they call aids and they attack the homosexual community in africa primarily for that they also have to have a some sort of community that they're targeting right so what do they do with covid covid was a brilliant brilliantly nefarious and evil concoction of refangling the flu and the common cold that's all they've done that's all they've done they've taken what they thought was a, a flu virus right which is you know the covid and sars viruses which, which are replete within everybody right and they say that okay these cause the colds and flu which has never been proven anyway and and is completely up for debate but let's let's just say let's just throw them a bone and say that okay it does it caused the cold and the flu all right um so essentially all they've all all covid is is just the refangling of, of that now and now it's all starting to come out of course about how you know so many of these COVID deaths that they flashed up on CNN and everything else that are continuing to flash up. Uh, and these cases, the case demic that we're having and blah, 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 blah. You know, all these distractions uh, are nothing more than people getting the cold or the flu. I mean, you know, so for, for decades, we've been dealing with the understanding that you're going to get sick. You're going to get a cold. You're going to get a flu. Take care of yourself. Have some chicken soup. You know, stop drinking. Stop smoking and uh drink a lot of water get to the gym exercise and you'll get better and you'll you'll, you'll build, build your immune system free, take vitamin c whatever you know the basic stuff we've all knew we've all known that this is how we take care of ourselves all of a sudden now with covid it's like all right i got a cold a flu season everybody's everybody's afraid to sneeze around somebody else you're afraid to even clear your throat or cough because of the judgment that you are going to now elicit from a society which has been indoctrinated into Howard Hughesville, okay, germ of phobia. All of a sudden, it's cool to be Howard Hughes. And the people who were Howard Hughes anyway and hiding are now feeling so damn empowered. You know, maybe not so much now anymore that the narrative is, is, uh, is being shot down everywhere. You know, but the Howard Hugheses of the world during the, during the COVID scam I mean, they were just out in their element, weren't they? I mean, it was just like, oh, wow, this is our time in history, baby. You know, put your mask on. What's the matter with you? You know, <laughs> don't come into my store unless you've, uh, unless you've washed your hands three times with this carcinogenic hand sanitizer. I want to ask a question about the cold, if I may. A lot of people online are coming around to saying, well, the cold is basically detoxing. Your body is detoxing. What's your take mm -hmm. on that idea of? defining a cold in that way well it's, it's in my book under who's afraid on the chapter who's afraid of the big bad flu i try to i try to explain it to people as as easy as possible that when you're getting sick sinus infections respiratory infections which are the number one reason for going to the doctor it used to be before the proliferation of chemical trails and chemicals in our atmosphere uh, that we see persistently now more than ever. The only time we didn't see them is when, is when everybody was shut down. We didn't see them for you know, a number of months, maybe. But they're back with a fervor. Um, respiratory toxins in the environment create, uh, and, and also uh, poor diets. Obviously, this is you know, the beginning of it. I mean, the, the first thing that's going to get attacked is your, are your sinuses and your lungs, especially in forced air heating environments. Everything is very dry. 
people don't look into the fact that there are parasites and mold spores within, especially within the Northeast, under every carpet everywhere. And, and we're talking about, well, this guy's talking about mold spores and molds now and parasites. And I thought he's, I thought he's the good by germ theory guy. All right. So I explain this in my book as well. Parasites are this, and, and molds are the size of, let's say they're a Cadillac. Okay. A bacterium is the size of a Tic Tac in the Cadillac. And a virus is a piece of dust on the Tic Tac, right? So if you're looking at, and this is, and now I don't want to get people like complaining in, in your, in your comment section, oh, they, he's they saying that these things exist. They will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, he's talking about that these things exist. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, listen, they exist within a certain level of understanding. But if you expect people to go from A to Z, it's just never going to happen. You've got to walk people out of the germ theory. Okay. And you walk them out by explaining that, listen, according to electron microscopy, okay, the way that they have classified these dead things, they say this shape is a virus, this shape is a bacterium, but, but, but look, look, look at it all around these cells. They must be causing the disease. Listen, I've worked with an electron microscope when I was an undergrad. Okay. I understand the intense processes that you have to go through in order to take a look at this world. Now, this gets me into the next topic that I wanted to get into, which was, you know, Gaston Naissons and dark field microscopy. But um, finishing up on that, on that thought, whenever you're looking at, for the people who are going to comment on this and criticize, uh, that say that they don't exist, they don't exist, they don't exist. Well, from what perspective do they not exist? If you're looking at this perspective from a virologist who is looking at it under electron microscope and, and saying that, okay, look at this thing here. This is a virus. Well, to him, it exists. Well, you, you covered your base, though. You said it was a dead thing. There. It is a dead a thing. It's an inert thing. If you ask anyone listening, they'll tell you, oh, we're told a virus replicates its DNA. It eats, it poops. It's, you just no, said, no, no, this no, no, shape no. is dead. Your base is covered. Anyone who wants to argue. Every virologist in our world will tell you, every single one, even the ones on our side and not on our side, okay, even, even Fauci, who doesn't know what he's talking about, okay, will tell you that a virus does not replicate, it does not eat, it does not poop, it does not breathe, okay? It doesn't do any of these things. So what they say that they do now is that they somehow get into the cell, attach to your DNA, and create all this kind of havoc, and this is what causes all the disease. That's never been proven, by the way, okay? So this... So essentially what the germ theory is and the viral theory is, is nothing but a ghost story. Um, and you'll notice that the actual viral processes of disease are never discussed on the mainstream media. Like you get these idiotic doctors, Gupta, whatever else they are up there, you know, um, Oz or, you know, especially Fauci. They never talk with you about, well, here's how the virus goes into the cell and here's how it creates the disease and breaks down the body and you know, all of a sudden, like this completely marvelous structure you have called the human body now breaks down because somebody sneezed in your face and a virus crawled up your nose. All right. You know, BJ Palmer said that if the germ theory was true, BJ Palmer was, uh, and his father, DD Palmer, were the founders of chiropractic in 1895. They said if the germ theory was true, we'd all be dead by now. We'd all be dead by now. It doesn't work. All right. But all they do on television is shout out at people about how you're going to die, how your kids are going to die, how granny's going to die. And not only that, so what's that? That's the fear portion. 
What's the other portion? You're going to kill them. That's the guilt portion. So they're playing to, to humanity's amygdala, which is the reptilian uh, uh, brain center of emotion, okay? To all of your inner brain, uh, reptilian brain, emotional base brain centers, okay, which are all fear-based, the higher base centers they're just trying to, that are connected to the thymus gland and to the pineal gland, completely trying to shut all those down, all right? And they're, they're doing that in a myriad of different ways. Uh, and the higher brain functions, basically, they're, they're de-evolving humans into this, into this afraid, manipulated, slave, hermaphroditic, by the way, slave race. And, and, and it all starts with this simple concept, you know? I mean, I have a, I have a habit of going off, guys, and going, <laughs> going into the really deep topics from the simple questions. I mean, Crow asked me just, you know, so what do you think about the common cold? You know, I hope I answered that question by going the long way around it. <laughs> so let me just finish up Koch's postulates, if I might. You know, uh, we, we mentioned these things. The germ has to be found in every case of the disease. Nope. It can never be found apart from the disease. Nope. You can have all of these different quote-unquote germs inside the body. And what they're doing are helping your body, by the way. They're not, dis they're not disturbing your body. They're part of your immune system, which is something we'll talk about in a second. It can never be found apart from the disease. We know that's not true. It must be capable of disease culture outside the body. Now, what does that mean? It means if you take a piece of a tissue, put it in a Petri dish and stick that coronavirus on there or stick the streptococcus bacterium on there, it's going to break down that tissue and it's going to create diseased tissue. Doesn't happen. Never happens. Okay. And the very last one, capable by producing, uh, by injection, the same disease that has undergone uh, by, which, by the body with which it was taken. Well, Rosenau, I speak about this in my book as well. Dr. Kaufman speaks about this as well. Uh, Rosenau, uh, back in the early 1900s, proved this completely incorrect when he took a number of volunteers that were sick uh, with different flus and things like that and actually had them spit, okay, spit into into cups and take their sputum he would mix it up make a little cocktail out of it out of it and as gross as this might sound he would feed it to the volunteers okay and gave it to them in many different ways and this was one of the earliest studies to show that absolutely nothing happened to the people okay when they were to to uh to be exposed in this way so contagion is not what they're putting it out to be uh, they, they put it out that your entire body, no matter how healthy you are, just completely breaks down when somebody sneezes in your face. So that's that part. I did get into electron microscopy. Do you want to keep going from there? Or did you have another question? Yeah, let's take a second. The book, Goodbye Germ Theory, is an important book. This would be, and I don't say this of many of the books, most of the books that I point out here are for people with a specific interest. It's almost always to do with spirituality or the part of the world we know nothing about mostly in this material age, but goodbye germ theory. If I could snap my fingers and put 10 copies in every waiting room in this country, man, I would do that. It's that important. If you haven't seen goodbye germ theory, go get it. But I just noticed, um, and one of the bullet points, you got a new book and I forgot that you were going to have a new book. So tell us the title and about availability. Well, I don't have it yet. I'm working on it. Okay. I was explaining to Rose that I thought I'd have it out by this time, but I realized that I was just kind of parroting what everybody else. See, the thing about goodbye germ theory is that I was proud of it because it was really talking about things nobody else was talking about. It's a one-of-a-kind kind of book. 
And so I do have another title for this. It's basically Goodbye Germ Theory. It's, it's called The Sequel. All right. And it talks about COVID and everything basically that I'm talking about right now. But I am tweaking it to the point where I can still make it as unique as the first book. And that's going to take a little bit of, of contemplation, meditation, um, because I am including in, and, you know, I, I want every, I want to as well say everybody should really see Crow's movie on the moon. What do you call it, Crow? Uh, it's called Shoot the Moon. And this is a good place to say it because I'm getting emails. Every single individual that is a member of Crow 777 Radio gets Shoot the Moon for free. Everybody here is now recurring because the banks- Oh, I paid seven bucks for it, but okay. <laughs> no, that can't, that, that can't be right, Rose sent you a key. I'm happy to pay. Listen, folks, pay $7, pay $100. That, actually, no, hold on. So if you're a member, you get it for free. And, and what you need to do is email and Rose will send a free key. It's only on Vimeo On Demand. And by the way, I could have swore I saw Rose send you a key. Uh, she may have, but listen, I just wanted to watch it. I do everything in the moment. So if I'm sitting down at 10 o'clock at night and I'm seeing something and it comes up, either way, it's, 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 we're just joking around. Jason got eight. When we first put that movie out, mm. no one would touch it. And we thought, nope, the world's not ready. And then all of a sudden, big places picked it up. Now Jason has eight laurels up, up as to the nine. creator. Nine? We're up What's to nine. What's the last one? You didn't tell me. What's the last one? Oh, I don't even remember what the last one was. Jai- Jaipur, India was number eight, yeah. um, but it's got wow. nine nine laurels now. And so the world is ready to consider um, some guy with his face in HD for two hours telling you that NASA lies for a living. Oh, yeah. And so I, I have to tell you that when I saw that a couple of months back, I was in the middle of writing my book. And I've studied Kashmir Shaivism extensively. I've, I've been involved in meditation with Siddha Yoga, uh, Baba Muktananda, Guramai Chibalasan, and, and that whole group in South Wolfsburg, New York, for, uh, for decades, ever since I was in my late 20s. And the philosophy, again, is called Kashmir Shaivism. And it's about how consciousness, the consciousness of God exists within everything and, 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 med- and meditation on that. So as a result of seeing your film, Shoot the Moon, uh, it changed my perspective on life in such a way that I was like, huh, you know what? I got to shift gears on what I'm writing. Wow. So I, I really need to commend you on that crow because it really was a lot. It was a game changer for me as far as looking just in how I have to contemplate different things. So I'm, so basically to answer your question, I am tweaking the book accordingly wow. <laughs> because I need to put some other things in there. And the basis of the sequel is going to be more towards not only because listen, I think we're headed towards a COVID three. And so I would like to prepare people for COVID-3, okay, which is coming, folks. It is definitely coming. Uh, COVID, well, let's say uh, uh, AIDS-3. I'm sorry, AIDS-3. It, it'll be Omega. Is that it? We get to the end of the Greek alphabet? <laughs> uh, whatever the hell it is. I, I, call, yeah. I call AIDS was AIDS, and then COVID is AIDS-2, and they're going to have an AIDS-3. And it's going to include these... Uh, at the very end here, if we get to talk about it, these microwave technology poles that are posing as streetlights that they're putting up everywhere. I mean, listen, there's so much to talk about, but uh, it's, you're talking about my sequel in the book. It's, it's going to have a lot to do with that and what to do. Like, you know, my first book, Goodbye Germ Theory, I have an extensive, my favorite chapter too, and everybody's favorite chapter is the law chapter in the back about you know how the Constitution of the United States, uh, how it can help you, uh, how you can free yourself 
uh, knowing your rights. If you don't know your rights, you don't have any. And a lot of this stuff, you know, people just don't never knew their rights before they read the book. And it's a basis, again, a basic just introduction to studying what your rights are according to the Constitution of the United States. Okay. And uh, I equated it to the coming medical fascism that was going to occur. I started writing it 20 years ago on that, and now here we are, and people are finding it very helpful as a result of that. Crow, you've also you know, mentioned my church, the Church of Christ Consciousness. The law part of your book is a big deal, and we've yeah. done a lot of work to show there are systems still in place that people can use, and had they used them earlier than two years after COVID, uh, we'd have been in a different world. But the church is a big deal too. We were at a place a couple of years ago where if we said this, all the Christians would have said, what the hell's the matter with you? You're the devil's. You know, but now people are waking up I know. and you don't need a religious institution to have spirituality. And so the church that you've created is specifically to give people the official stuff to put in someone's face and say, leave me alone. It's against my religious beliefs. That's all I had it for, you know, to be honest. I mean, I've studied Kashmir Shaivism quite a bit. And as a result, of, you know, we might, you might get Christians, you know, ultra Christians signing in now saying that I'm the devil as a result of mentioning that. I don't know. I find all religions to be one, as long as you're centered on God and universal consciousness, which I have come to know as the love you feel within your heart, and the love you emanate, and the love you experience with you know, just the planet, with the trees, with with your animals, you know, that's how I experience it, you know, and, and, uh, people get very judgy when you start talking about religion. And I, I Christianity kinda, is changing. I kind of check a out. Lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Christianity is changing a lot. And by yeah. the way, one of the guesses that came from decades back was that as we went into the new age, one of the first things that would dissolve would be the church. And that does not say what people read into it. That's spirituality is not dying. What is dying is the men in black robes with their altar trying to convince you you need to believe this, that, or the other thing. And the reason the church will go away is because everyone's grown up enough now. They don't need a daddy figure to point the way. We're all connected. We can all get there on our own dime, so to speak. Yeah, and as Kashmir Shaivism goes into, you don't need somebody pointing the, as you just said, you don't need somebody pointing the direction to God. No. You can discover God within yourself. Which is more meaningful for every individual. Which is where it's all at. That's yeah. right. If you look at Yahshua's teachings, I mean, he pointed to the answer and everybody pointed to him. Yeah, which happens. How many, how many big religions did the, the, the Buddha or other people say, uh, don't worship me, don't make statues of me? <laughs> and so what happens? Right. They, they right. worship them and they make statues and right. they break one of the Ten Commandments and everyone acts like that didn't just happen. It's, it's ridiculous. Did you ever see uh, the brilliant movie, uh, The Last Temptation of Christ? Yes. I, I saw that about Scorsese. three years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. And Willem Dafoe does it, just Harvey Keitel is in it. It's, it's a long one and it's deep. And I don't agree with everything in it, but uh, it's a powerful, powerful message. And one of the messages in there is, is it, within Scorsese's vision, you know, Christ actually goes back to maybe relive his existence, right? And he's only because he's being tempted by the devil while he's on the cross. This is just in the movie, everybody. Okay. I'm just talking about the movie. Okay. This is not reality. <laughs> but he has an interaction with, with Saul, who is now preaching the gospel. And Christ comes up to him and says, Wait a minute, you're all wrong. I, I didn't say any of those things. I mean, you know, it's, it's, he's preaching, he's preaching what, you know, Jesus 
uh, Yahshua taught, uh, and he comes up to him and says, well, wait a second, I was there. We marched on Jerusalem. I, I was doing all of this. I was doing the healing. I never said any of that. And Saul basically says to him, well, we don't really care what you, what you said. All that matters now is the figure, right? And I thought that was the most brilliant part of the film, and it speaks to all of religion, and it also speaks to Scorsese's brilliance within trying to make a uh, statement there about religion, you know, about how people, God, the, the, the spiritual guy will, will, will point you towards the answer. You know, I mean, what did Christ say in the Bible? You'll do greater things than I do. Just follow what I'm talking about. You know, you know, love one another. Turn within. Enter into the closet and close the door. If you're focused on that uh, spiritual place of the Most High, you'll, you'll abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You'll, you'll be there. You know, he'll give his angels charge over you to, to keep you in all your ways. You know, and if you could really get the message of that, it's an actual consciousness. Did you hear what you just said there, doctor? Our pre, remember our pre, before we turned on the microphones, what we were talking about? Say it. Yeah. Just to let you know, the words you just said are keyed. So, you know, you're talking about angels, but I, I just wanted to get that in there because you and I had talked about things off the air. So a lot of people are concerned with what they've inhaled, what's in their body, metallic things, uh, graphene oxide, nanotech. And mm -hmm. if there's anything to be done about it, do you want to try to address that with the few minutes we have left in hour one, or would you prefer to close out and push that over into hour two? Oh, whatever you think is helpful, because I know some people only get the first hour. So let's right. talk about that. So let's yeah. do it. I just want to cover it as fully as we can if we get mm -hmm. in there. Sure. Okay. So sure. let's you do guys, it. You guys, like I say, I go off. So you guys have to guide me. <laughs> Point me in different directions. You know, this is, uh, it's going to be a big study in my second book, in the sequel, about how to deal with all these things. Because I've spoken with many people are saying, damn, I wish I didn't get that second shot. You know, most of us are saying it like even the third. Most of it are saying it after the Supreme Court came down with the decision, right? Which was what? Oh, damn, I didn't need to get that shot after all. Okay. You know, I don't know if you've encountered friends that it looks nice. See all sorts of people in my practice and people tend to think that I have a completely unvaccinated practice. It's not true at all. <laughs> I mean, I don't listen. I get into helping people, healing people when, and 80% of the time, the whole vaccine issue really doesn't even come up because it's nothing. It just creates too many distractions. Uh, if it does come up, I talk with them about it and I point them in that direction. But, uh, you know, most of the people that walk through my door have been vaccinated. All right. I got it. I got to pull you around. You invited me to be jumping in. Yes. Graphene oxide nanotech. Is there anything we can do about it? Well, so they've had it. So the vaccinated people have had it. And since the mandate came down from the Supreme Court, they're saying, geez, I never, didn't really have to do that. You know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Now I've got these graphene oxides inside me and uh, I've got all this other crap. God knows what else inside my body and who knows what will happen in five years from now. Maybe I'll develop cancer. It's just astounding how many people I've known to drop dead of cancer in the past six months, uh, as, uh, ever since these shots came out. Um, what to do about it? I, I am not fully, you know, I, I have about a thousand things I could probably say. Uh, get to a good naturopath, get to a great chiropractor that knows how to, how to work with nutrition, knows how to work with chelation in order to help possibly get this stuff uh, bound up in your body so that it comes out, but it's going to be harder and harder to get this crap out of your body at this point. Uh, there's a doctor in South Carolina, Dr. Joe Hickey in Hilton Head, who is doing great work. Uh, he's, his practice is filled to the, to the, to the 
the heights of Mount Everest because you know his his stuff works. He does blood work, he does uh, urine work in order to determine what the heavy metals are in the body, especially especially gadolinium, uh, and what all these toxins are in the body from vaccines. And uh, he does chelation to get it out. Uh, there are oral forms of chelation you could use. Right, which uh, a good naturopath or chiropractor can, in, and myself as well can can uh, guide you towards. A great diet is already a oral form of chelation. There are also more uh, extended forms of chelation where you really have to put something into the blood directly in order to get this crap out of your body. As far as the graphene oxide and these 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 graphite these graphite graphene particles that are inside you, combining with God knows what, with what I think are the fungal organisms that they're they're dropping on us from chemtrails they i think that they they're 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 a mixture of nanotechnology uh which is graphene oxide plus fungal organisms um which form a lattice work throughout your mesentery throughout your sinuses and now they're uh, now they're reactive to uh, microwave stimulation which means you know the average human being at this point with these shots They've got more graphene oxide in there. They can be remote controlled at this point. God, and we just don't know just yet. So activated charcoal can help. Anything that has a highly charged, I don't want to say positive or negative charge, because it could be either one, but you have to be able to chelate this stuff out of the body. And I don't know that anyone is working with the chelation just yet of, of graphenes. What about something like the Gerson method? Um, yeah, yeah. So people know the Gerson method is creating juice in a specific way so that the juice is not dead. You make it, you ingest it immediately. The reason is the juice is still alive. You're taking life energy into your body. The way, one of the ways Charlotte used to describe it when I talked to her in San Diego was it knocks all these things free in your body. Then you come in with the coffee enema and the idea is to stimulate the liver to flush out all this junk out of you. Now, I do remember that part of what she was saying could come out were certain kinds of metals. And that's why I'm asking you, doctor, you feel like uh, graphene I'm big oxide? on the coffee enemas. Yeah, it's got to be green coffee, though. Don't green go and coffee. get Starbucks. Don't go and get Starbucks. I was going to say organic, but you're yeah, saying oh, green. Oh, absolutely. Organic, yeah. preferably biodynamic, if you can get it. Okay, green coffee. Uh, I have a source for that, by the way. And I'll give it a rose to put it in here. Uh, her name, woman's name is Marion. And she's in South Carolina, and she has a great company for an organic green coffee source. And I would advocate, if you're trying to clean out, a daily green coffee enema. When you say green, are you saying coffee that hasn't been roasted, or are you saying organic? Well, I'm saying both. It, ha it has to be organic and not roasted. You cannot okay. use a roasted. You should never use a roasted coffee. Okay. The Gerson method used a roasted coffee just to let people know. And this is the okay. first time I've ever heard the green coffee idea, but man, does it make sense because the whole idea of Gerson juice is get it while it's alive, be careful with it. So if a bean is still green, of course it hasn't been cooked to death. Well, and that you're going to have the actual healing elements from the coffee mm -hmm. are going to be bioactive at that point. And when you put them into the colon, they're going to stimulate the highest amount of glutathione being produced by the liver, which is, you know, the woman who I know in South Carolina has been helping stage four cancer patients for years and, you know, keeping them alive just with the green coffee enema. And wow. that's all, that's, that's all to, that's all due to the effects that it has on healing the liver to, to increase your, your healing capacity to, to, uh, to get rid of 
get rid of not only cancers, but you know, obviously, if you can get rid of cancer, stage four cancers, you can get rid of a lot of other things. So we need to get let's let's make a promise here that we'll get the link to the lady who provides the green coffee over oh, the rose, and we'll get it both in comments and of course to your book. But now that I'm, that's the first time anyone has told me green coffee, and it threw me for a loop until I reasoned my way back through, and that seems like a powerful idea to me. Yeah, it's a it it is a extremely powerful healing modality is the green coffee daily enema for if, especially if you have a chronic disease going on arthritis cancer uh, it's something you want to do you know certainly daily let's talk about the enema for a second because sure. the problem with enemas is in our materialistic side of things that's something that's hidden behind a door we don't talk about it mm-hmm. charlotte gerson laid out that you want you know stainless steel things to do your enema but let's be real people got to live not very many people have money right now because of what's happened to the world mm-hmm. so would you take two cups a very strong coffee. In other words, you make you might boil coffee or something to get to get the coffee out of the green bean for I don't know twenty minutes, but it's really strong. Would you take like two cups or a cup and a half, and then do the enema and hold that in your body for like ten to fifteen minutes if you can, and then release? You're supposed to hold it for that length of time. Uh, uh, yeah, the longer you hold it, the more obviously it's going to be absorbed by the colon and the better off your liver is going to be. The, the entire reason you do these amazing healing modalities like a green coffee enema is to, is to heal your liver so that your liver can be power charged to heal your body. All right. And it's all about, you know, NAC and, uh, and glutathione primarily production. So uh, as far as the details are concerned, uh, I will let the professionals who deal with the colonics get into that primarily. Colonics? I, I, are, are we talking colonic or are we talking anima? Anima. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I, I right. interchanged the two. I, I have some mixed feelings about colonics, how they're typically administered. Yeah, so do I. Because a lot of the, honestly, a lot of the, the, the individuals who do the colonics, and I'm not against colonics, uh, but people should be aware that if you do too many of them, they can, you know, if, if you still have an appendix, they can create appendicitis. Uh, if they're not done properly or done too forcefully, you can perforate, you know, they're not without side effects and they can be, they, you know, so I'm all for them uh, if they're done by somebody who really has been doing them for a long time and is competent. But, you know, a lot of the colon therapists use, you know, they use cooked coffee as well. And I'm not, uh, I'm not into that. They, you, as long as you're putting a cooked variety of the coffee up there, I just think your healing capacity will be limited for that. I think what you told me has me fascinated. I'm going to look and let's keep in mind that Max Gerson, Charlotte's father, who came up with this amazing way to save lives. Um, I don't think green coffee might've been an option back in the 1930s or obviously available to everybody. And I'm just guessing, but now that you've said it. Well, it's the healing capacity of the green coffee, which is the key. And uh, yeah, folks look in the, look in the, um, in the comments, we'll, we'll put it in there, and I'm sure Marion's going to. If, get, if I'm get, ever in dire a ton straits, of business from this. <laughs> yeah, if I'm ever in dire straits, um, I will be going straight to what I know of the Gerson method. And now that this green coffee is in my mind and on the table, you can bet I'm going to take a close look because, in the same way, the juice cannot be heated, the blades cannot destroy all the cells in the juice. Um, you've got to drink it so that it's living as it goes in. Well, that translates right over to a bean, and the same. The same logic can be applied to the bean. And here, all this time, I've had beans that are basically pasteurized, right? Everything is wrote, the life is roasted out of it. 
Well, yeah. Anytime, anytime you heat something is uh, listen, raw milk is a powerful healer. Uh, if you can find it, I could get it up in Massachusetts. We go there frequently and uh, every, many states have raw milk. And if you can find it, if you have a cold or a flu, you start drinking that, the, the colostrum that's in there could heal you within an hour it's alive. of drinking, drinking a glass of raw milk. Yeah. As, as soon as you heat it, even a little bit, you've turned it into one of the most toxic things you can put into your body. I, I don't drink milk. Well, raw milk, you should. I don't like any kind of milk, so I'm a bad example. When I was a kid, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> ingest it. It's a superfood, number one. I mean, if you, if you can find it and a, and a good, and a, from a good source, from, from, a, from a, a good farm, which I know of. I mean, there is one in Hadley, Mass., if, if people are looking uh, to it. Uh, that's, that's where I get my raw milk from. And we're selling it right here in Coscob in Connecticut. Uh, you know, for years, and that you can get it in Westport, Connecticut. But if you can find a good source for it, it's a real healer, especially for the respiratory system. Let me say this: everybody, go out and look up Goodbye Germ Theory. If you know people that are all sciency or having a tough time thinking of it a different way, buy them a copy. Give them a copy. If you're rich, buy a couple extra copies and forget and leave it somewhere meaningful so other people can get their hands on it. There was another thing I wanted to mention. What am I dropping, Jason? I feel like I'm dropping something we just covered. Maybe not. Anyhow, Dr. Trebing will be back in hour two. We're going to cover an awful lot of things. And Dr. Trebing, do you want to give any kind of contact or website information? If you give out an email in hour one, you could be overwhelmed. Oh, it's fine. Uh, you just spell out my name, Dr. William Trebing at yahoo.com. So that's Dr. Dr. William Trebing, T as Tom, R-E-B as boy, I-N-G at yahoo.com. I have a certain time with every day that I answer questions. Uh, and, um, and Stephanie will set up appointments if people are local and they want to come. We also do virtual and things like that. You know, So Dr. William Trebing at yahoo.com. You can find the book, Goodbye Germ Theory. Just Google it. You'll find it. And if you don't want to go through Amazon and deal with the devil, uh, then you could uh, go to xlibris, xlibris.com purchase it directly from the publisher. They would be happy to have that purchase. It's also available on Audible, on audiobook, but I do recommend that people get the, the audiobook and the paperback if you want to make your own, you know, make your own forms. And uh, also, I, I did want to mention, if you wanted to get involved with the church in order to make uh, your life easier, if you need a religious exemption, you, you don't need to be involved in my church to have the religious exemption. You can do it yourself just you know, in knowing the Bible and Corinthians. But uh, if you want to make life real easy for yourself, you can join the Church of Christ Consciousness, and you'll find that at saynotovaccines.org. That's S-A-Y-N-O-T-O, vaccines.org, dot org, saynotovaccines.org, and you'll find everything there. So I know it, I realized what I wanted to say, and it was when you brought up the church thing. Look, if you're a person who doesn't want to get into all the legal stuff that we've done, what I have noticed is if you whip out an official looking document, a lot of people back right off you. I sure said people a lot these days, but anyhow, to get back to the point. That's been everybody's experience. It really helps tremendously because right. the, the documents we put out are really official looking. And they are official looking. And by the way, uh, the, the chapter about legal ideas, it's not exactly 
uh, one-to-one with everything we've covered, but the logic behind it and the way of thinking about it is one-to-one. And as I've said so many times, there's way more than 10 ways to skin a cat. Although I don't recommend skinning cats, that's going to bring our one of episode 391 to a close. Join us on the other side at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W 777radio.com. One more time in closing, if you're a member of Pro 777 Radio, you send an email requesting a free movie key to shoot the moon. Everybody gets it for free now. There it is. Hope to see you on the other side. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and high minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing. Oh.